question of the day. Whose voice do you want to listen to? If you love somebody, to be deeply present with them is to be aware of, to want to hear their voice, their thoughts. I was driving this morning with my wife and I had to get out of the car for uh, a couple of seconds to get something out of my car 10 feet away and I left the door open but it was cold outside and Nancy who hates to be cold worse than death just sat in the car saying door 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 I was very aware of her her, her thoughts just that one word of her voice we were driving later on 280 this beautiful freeway and she said I love being on this road and since I was in the car with her I said like is that all that you love and she said, she said, well, I love you, but baby did a bad, bad thing. So that's my voice. I'm loved, but I did a bad thing. Now, uh, to love God, to want to follow God means that's the voice. Those are the thoughts that I want to have in my mind. Thoughts are such tremendously powerful things. Dallas Willard in this book, Renovation of the Heart, writes about how very often, uh, we can believe that our thoughts alone can save us because they are so powerful. There are certain religions that make enlightenment of thought into the power of salvation. Or if you read much material that comes from a new age perspective, often there will be this notion that if you could just think it, uh, it will happen. Or sometimes therapy becomes approached as a way of salvation. If you think the right thoughts, that is the key to liberation and fulfillment. Sometimes those techniques are so associated with those traditions that Christians can get nervous about very important practices like meditation or visualizing something or the power of imagination. And Dallas writes this, this is on page 115. Those who would understand and practice spiritual formation in the way of Jesus should not deny the power of thought just because some people make a religion of it and would use it as a basis for helping and healing with no reference to Christ. Breakfast is a good idea, and I do not plan to give it up because Hindus practice it. For effective spiritual formation in Christ, we must have a realistic understanding in utilization of the powers of thought. So, how would you like to have Jesus' voice, the primary voice in your mind? Have you made Jesus your personal teacher? In some traditions of Christianity, the question that often gets asked is, have you made Jesus your personal Savior? And sometimes that gets divorced from uh, asking Jesus to be my teacher. And there's a history back of this. As you might know, a century or two ago, there came kind of a split in the church where a number of folks said, yes, we think Jesus was a wonderful teacher, that his moral instruction was matchless, but there were doubts about, uh, was he divine? Did the resurrection really take place? Does the supernatural even exist? Is there a spiritual realm with a personal, robust God? And so another group of people that wanted to hang on to all of those things in response uh, tended to discard the importance of Jesus as a teacher. They would often 
listen to any teaching about Jesus as a teacher with skepticism. They were concerned that that was just code for kind of discarding notions of his divinity. And it's a real bad thing to lose that notion of Jesus as a teacher. Now, the reality is, is there have always been reasons to not want to follow the teachings of Jesus way back to the very first century. A friend of mine just sent me this online, selective negative teaching evaluations of Jesus Christ. You know how when you take a class in school, there'll be an evaluation process afterwards if you're at the college level or so. So these are negative teaching evaluations of Jesus Christ. Very inconvenient class. Always holds lectures on top of mountains in the middle of Sea of Galilee, but never close to the main campus. Or inconsistent attendance policy. Said we had to be in class by 9 a.m. every day. Over half the class showed up late or didn't attend to the last meeting, but we all got the same participation grade. There's actually a parable Jesus tells about workers that show up late to the vineyard. Took me a little while to associate that. Another one, by week one, I was already tired of his anti-rich, pro-Samaritan BS. I wanted to take a course in Christianity, not liberalism. Another one, kind of absent-minded. My name's Simon. He's called me Peter for the entire semester. I'll give you one more. There's lots of them. Doesn't respect students' time. A line of us had been waiting outside his office for over an hour. Finally, he showed up and said, and the last shall be first, and started seeing us in reverse order. Made me late for work study. Well, there's always a host of reasons that people have for not following Jesus as a teacher. Dallas Willard would often respond if somebody who knew that he taught philosophy at USC were to ask him, you mean to tell me that you were a follower of Jesus? And his response would be, whom else would you suggest? And this is simply true of us. We will fill our minds with something. We will follow somebody. We will learn how to live from someone or a plethora of someone's. We will do that whether uh, on purpose or by accident, for better or for worse. Whom else would you suggest? So we have been learning from Dallas's book, Renovation of the Heart, about how the mind is transformed. And we're coming to the close of focusing on our thought life. Two very practical steps that you and I are invited into to make Jesus our teacher, to help his voice be more and more and more present in my mind. Here's what Dallas says. This is on page 113. The most obvious thing we can do is to draw certain key portions of Scripture into our minds and make them a part of the permanent fixtures of our thought. This is the primary discipline for the thought life. And I know some of you do not like that word discipline, so substitute the word practice. The idea is there are certain activities that I can engage in by direct effort through which I receive the power to do what I cannot do right now by direct effort. And those have to do with our minds, not just our bodies. And Dallas says about these choice thoughts, these choice passages, we need to know them like the back of our hand. And a good way to do that is to memorize them and then constantly turn them over in our minds as we go through the events and circumstances of our life. And then he cites Joshua, an Old Testament book, chapter 1, verse 8, where Joshua says to the people, Keep the book, this book, 
that is God's book, God's story, God's instruction, God's love, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. And those words always and day and night are not accidental. So that you might be careful to do what it says, and then you will be prosperous and successful in all that you do. And the idea there is not, of course, that everybody's going to be rich. It's that a society will flourish when it has people who are committed to, surrendered to, empowered by the good as God helps them. So take a single thought from Scripture today and carry it with you. You might not like memorization. You might think that you're bad at it. It doesn't matter. What matters is what happens in our minds as we seek to do this. We're going to be thinking something. Why not think something noble and good? Something that moves me towards God and loves, that reminds me, even if I've done a bad, bad thing, I am his baby. I am his child. So that's one practice to memorize. And then the other practice is to think about what image you have before you, before your eyes. Dallas writes also on page 113, we need to be in the presence of images, both visual and auditory, good sayings, poetry, and songs. These can constantly direct and redirect our minds towards God. Jesus Christ, the Spirit, and the church, the people of God. Icons have a millennia-long track record with the people of God, can be a powerful way of keeping entire stories and teachings effortlessly before the mind. We might arrange to have them tastefully present in, in each of our living and workspaces so that they're always present in our visual field. Not long ago, Dallas writes, people in the United States commonly had edifying sayings on their walls. I recall from my childhood one that said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. These and other good sayings were constantly before the minds of all of us who lived in the house. They were powerfully effective because they came through mere habit and enduring presence and influence within the minds of those who constantly saw it. So perhaps you want to take the word with and write it down. Uh, be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So take a moment now, or when you get the chance, take a card, piece of paper, write the word with on it, and put it someplace where you can see it. May the voice that you and I listen to today be the voice of Jesus. May he be our teacher. See you next time. Thanks for joining us. There are emails that go along with each episode, and if you'd like to receive those, you can go to becomenew.me slash subscribe. And there you can also sign up to receive daily text alerts. We'll see you next time.